page number 55. Week four, work hard. I wouldn't think people that are retired would be eager to skip that one. You know, you've already done this hard work. Let's pray before we start. Lord, we need your grace. We love your grace. We thank you for being sufficient for all of what we need. Lord, let our hearts be open to your word, to learn by it. We pray for illumination on your word, which you inspired. We thank you, Lord, for giving us all we need to live by. And it's all for the glory of God we agree together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this is week four, page number 55. And we'll be not hitting everything. There's a lot of information in all these pages. Uh, way too much information for us to cover everything. So... I will select and pick things that we will discuss. It's good that so many of you have made it on this first day of daylight savings time, which one Native American astutely observed as he mocked the white man, saying, only the white man can think he can cut a foot off the bottom of a blanket, sew it to the top, and have a longer blanket. That's what daylight savings time is. <laughs> I didn't say that. Some astute Native American said that. And, I, and that sounds like Native American wisdom, right? <laughs> White man, cut blanket, so on top. Think it's a longer blanket. But that's what we do. Uh, Chris's outline, I've been impressed with uh, the thoroughness that he's put in all this. And... Uh, this outline is no different. Uh, on page 55, we're going to start with this first verse out of Colossians chapter 3, 23 and 24, which kind of gives us an outline, a life's outline of how we should uh, work, what kind of attitude we have behind our work. Whatever your task, the apostle writes, put yourself into it as done for the Lord and not for your master's. Since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. This is the key for making it in any kind of job. This is the reason why before I was born again, gloriously transformed, I wasn't very good at any job. I could hold them for a while, but uh, they usually didn't last long. I wasn't much of an employee. But once Jesus became my Lord and Savior, I found I was a much better employee for the first time in my life. I was, I was surprised at how, at how proficient I was able to be because I had internalized this verse and I looked at uh, my job and working for my boss as service unto the Lord. That'll revolutionize the way uh, people do their work. And, uh, you know, for those of us who... Uh, have uh, thought about the horrible uh, history of slavery, which, by the way, still goes on in many parts of the world. Uh, and you say, well, you know, we're not in slavery now. I know a lot of people who still have jobs, and they feel like their bosses are slave drivers, and they feel like they're enslaved. 
You know, they're uh, in debt, they're stuck in their situation, and their bosses know that they're in debt and they can't do anything else. And uh, that mentality of slave and master is, it, it, and the negative counterpart of that is still very much with us. And the only way that a, that a Christian can handle this is if they uh, live their life and do their job as if they're doing it as unto the Lord. Wouldn't you agree with that? I wouldn't want anybody working for me who didn't have that attitude. I've had people that worked for me that did not have that attitude, and you can sure enough tell the difference, that their, their hearts are just not in it. But you have employees that work for you, don't you? Those that love the Lord make better employees, don't, you? don't they? Well, good. That's, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I asked you that. All right. <laughs> There are times sometimes you ask and you get a different answer and it kind of blows your illustration. You got to back up a little bit. All right. So how I'm going to handle this, because there's so much, uh, I don't have anything written on the board. You know, everybody has a different teaching style. And uh, uh, Chris told me, he said, just do what you want. He said, just handle it the way you want. So as I've meditated on all of these uh, passages that he's had throughout this past week, I'm just going to make a couple of observations. On the next page, on verse number 56, he has the uh, uh, Proverbs 14:23 as his uh, heading on top. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Now remember, we're dealing with Hebrew idiomatic statements here. They're kind of like figures of speech. And because it's Hebrew, 3,000-year-old, uh, 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 little pithy one-liners, uh, sometimes they don't make that much sense to us, but the more we meditate on them, the more we realize how true they are. And they're true for every culture, every period of history, any people group, no matter where you are, no matter when you live, the Word of God is sufficient. Isn't that amazing? It'll almost make you think the Lord knew what He was doing when He inspired His Word the way He did for People, because people are all basically the same. It doesn't matter if you're from uh, some uh, uh, African tribe or some Eskimo tribe or uh, some Eastern European stock like a lot of us come from or from Patagonia, South America. The Word of God is sufficient for everybody, no matter who you are, because people are basically the same because they're matters of the heart that we're dealing with. I found... Uh, Interesting here, one of uh, Chris's comments when he says, Our society glorifies and, and worships material wealth and success. I'm reading the second line uh, on the top of page uh, 56. He said, However, it is not so clear that we glorify the importance of honest labor. Honest labor was the first thing that the first man that God created was told to do. The Lord God made Adam out of the dust of the earth, and then he said... Go to work, boy. <laughs> Become a farmer. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I should have been prepared for this. Uh, I think the Lord told Adam to go to work and till the ground before he uh, gave him the wife. Uh, maybe he knew. I think the Lord knew that Adam would be a better farmer if he had a wife to tell him how to do it. <laughs> and, and therefore, <laughs> he put him to sleep <laughs> and he woke up married. <laughs> And, and from that point on, he knew how to handle his farming business because he had a woman there to tell him what he was doing wrong or right. And uh, 
I got to tell you, every time my wife told me I was doing something wrong, she was right. And I'm glad that she told me. <laughs> because if she didn't tell me, I would have kept on doing uh, things wrong. So uh, we men should be thankful that our wives, even though it seems as though they pick up things on such a different frequency. Men are like AM transistor radios. And women are like high-powered, you know, long-range, you know, you know, these shortwave radios that can pick up signals from the other side of the planet. Women pick up things that men miss. So it only makes sense that right after the creation of man, the Lord would create a help meet suitable for him to help till the ground and be the farmers and replenish the earth and do everything that man really can't do by himself. Right? It's kind of a kind of a no-brainer. Uh, there's six days of labor that are mentioned here. It's mentioned a couple of times in these pages that we'll go through. Uh, six days is what a work week ought to be. Uh, it seems like, you know, we, a lot of us have grown up with a five-day work week, although a lot of us have still worked six days. Now, uh, I guess because they're doing it in France, we feel like, well, we ought to have a four-day work week. And uh, people are... Uh, there seems to be something happening with our, with our uh, cultural uh, sense of entitlement. We feel like we ought to have more and work less for it. And that's, that's not good for anybody, uh, you know, just to feel like uh, somebody's going to take care of me if I don't take care of myself, right? From the get-go, God said six days, work six days. Don't forget, take one day dedicated to the Lord. That's why we're here today. But for the most part, people uh, don't work six days. And sadly, that's why some of them, when they come to the end of their working career, they may not be prepared for those uh, golden years because they didn't work as diligently as they could have when they should have. Now, Chris asks a question here on the top of page 57. How often do you end your workday thinking, the world is a better place because of what I did today? Have you ever thought that? <laughs> You know, when I was working my trade, the trade that I was learning before I was called into the ministry, I never really thought like this. And I don't think most people do. Uh, hopefully we're going to encourage you to do that now. You know, uh, what would need to change for, uh, you know, you know, for that to be the case if we ask that more frequently? You know, no matter what kind of job we have, no matter what kind of profession, trade, uh, calling that we fulfill, if we're doing it as unto the Lord, and that's what really is the, the way that everybody can have a witness to the glory of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian and people know you're a Christian, and they ought to know you're, if, if they don't know you're a Christian, well, then we have to back up and preach a whole different sermon because <laughs> they ought to know you're a Christian. You know, if they know you're a part of this church, uh, you are the only Bible that they may read. They're going to read the gospel according to you. They can say, well, this guy goes to church. I'm just going to watch him. I'm not going to take time to read the Bible. I'm just going to keep an eye on you. See if I like the way you like. And then I'll make a determination from that point on whether I think the Bible's worth reading. So you are. Uh, and in fact, doesn't it say, and in, in, uh, uh, correct me, Ron, where's that verse that says, we're epistles written. We are epistles. We're, our lives are like a written epistle. And people read us. The gospel according to Benke. That's right. They've been reading that all these years. I mean, <laughs> every one of you. I don't have enough fingers to point at you all at the same time. Every one of us is an epistle. And our jobs and our careers uh, 
tell a story of how faithful we are to the Lord based on how faithful we are to our employer. But it's something that we usually don't think about. You know, how much better is, my, uh, uh, is the world because of what I did? Hey, I was a pastor for almost 40, year, 40 years, and there were times when <laughs> I would have had a problem with that. <laughs> how did I do? <laughs> you know, if you judge by how people respond all the time, uh, you may get a mixed message. You know, you may be honoring the Lord. And maybe when you're honoring the Lord, people still may not be happy with what you do. But we have to keep on plugging along at it anyway, right? Isn't that the way it works? All right, I'm going to try to cover as many things in this week's worth of studies as possible. So I'm just bouncing from page to page. Over on page 58, uh, Chris uh, uh, wrote down in the middle of page 58, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he's talking about, you know, living out the wisdom of God. And uh, I found it interesting that he noticed, or, or, or that he, he cites this passage here, anyone who builds on a foundation may use a variety of materials, and he's linking it to how we uh, work our everyday lives. Here, let's just read this uh, proverb on top. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. It's a, uh, one of those Hebrew uh, uh, generalizations about uh, work, and uh, the Lord taking care of people that do work. And then he mentions a verse which is uh, actually taken from a context which really has to do with ministry. This, this is something that the Apostle Paul, when he was talking about one plants, another one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. And then he's talking about the increase that we have. And he says, you know, depending on what kind of foundation we build on, uh, you know, we may use a variety, uh, uh, anyone who builds on a foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. That specifically has to do with ministries and how ministries are judged. A lot of times people think, boy, this, this, this church is so fantastic. I'm going to talk about this church. This church really is fantastic. But there's other people that think other churches are fantastic that really are not because they're the, uh, uh, the substance of those churches really is wood, hay, and stubble. And uh, I can say this because I've been a student of ecclesiology for all of my years, of a pastor that's a student of how churches operate and what they produce and uh, what the preachers are preaching and uh, what type of uh, disciples they're producing. You know, you really can't tell. Some people will hear a preacher and say, wow, He's such a good preacher. He's such a fantastic communicator. But you really can't tell what kind of preacher he is until you see what kind of fruit he produces. And you can see what kind of fruit he produces in the disciples and uh, the people. Uh, I believe it was Jesus who said of John, wisdom is justified of her children. You know, people are picking on John the Baptist saying, ah, you know, he's, he's this and that. And uh, wisdom is justified of her children. If you really want to know what type of fruit a ministry is producing, don't judge it by one humdinger of a sermon that you hear a guy preach. Look at the, look at the people who are the uh, beneficiaries or the people that are growing or not growing as a result of the preaching that's being put out on a regular basis. That's really the only way that you could judge a ministry now. And even if you can't get the whole story right then, we know ultimately there is going to be judgment and the fire is going to reveal whether it's wood, hay, or stubble, or if it truly is gold, silver, and precious stones. I used to tell people that I had such a good church, I felt like a jeweler. 
I felt like the Lord gave me gold, silver, and precious stones. It wasn't, it wasn't my work. I'm not the one who created the gold. It's like the Lord sent me gold, silver, and precious stones, and I was able to minister to those people. I felt very, very fortunate for the people that I had ministered to. And I think uh, any, any pastor, any, any preacher who has a good church and good people in it, he can't take credit for them. It's the glory of God. All the glory goes to God because of those good people that the Lord has given to them. All right, I found an interesting uh, statement here. This is in the uh, second to the last paragraph. If you're going up from the bottom of page 58, Chris makes this statement here. Those who invest only in physical things invest in things that will not last. Now, that's very, very true. Uh, there is a popular philosophy and you see it on bumper stickers, and I can't believe the stupidity that people want to put on display, especially when it pertains to this bumper sticker, if you've ever seen this one. He who dies with the most toys wins. How stupid is that? What kind of contest are they winning? It's got to be an idiot contest, because you die, and you leave all those toys behind, you're there in the casket, you have nothing to brag about, people are not gonna say, boy, boy wasn't this guy a winner? And did you see all he left behind? That, it, 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 doesn't, uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. I, it seems like I remember over the past, how long has it been since Frank Sinatra died? 20, 25 years, something like that. And you know, cause he was so loaded and so, boy, he just seemed like, Anything he touched turned to gold. The guy had such a, an amazing voice, sold all these millions of albums. And I remember when he died, people were always asking, how much did he leave? You know, I, I think his fortune was something like $200 million. You know, but when people really started to evaluate, how much did Frank Sinatra leave? Really, he left it all. It didn't matter what his dollar amount of his, of his uh, estate was. He left all of it. I heard Adrian Rogers, if, if you've ever heard Adrian Rogers, he's famous Baptist pastor, he's with the Lord now. He made a statement once and I never forgot what he said. He said, if you really want to know what you're worth, add up everything you have that money can't buy and what death can't separate you from. You think about that. That's your real worth. You know, usually when people talk about worth, you know, they say, but, What's he worth? You know, they want to know about his portfolio. They want to know how much money he's got saved up. And really, they, they want to know how much he's going to leave behind. <laughs> Maybe they're thinking about getting a piece of it. But if you really want to know what a person is worth, add up everything you have that money can't buy and what death cannot take away. That narrows down what you really are worth. And it also gives us a, a real good handle on what really, really matters. You know, when Jesus told us to lay up treasures in heaven, he wanted us to be truly rich. You know, there's nothing wrong with having possessions here, just as long as those possessions uh, don't have us. You know, there was a guy, I might have told you this, I, sometimes I repeat stuff, <laughs> the older I get, <laughs> my hard drive gets, gets on a cycle and I <laughs> kind of repeat stuff more. So I, I might have told you this in one of the past lessons that we've done on the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments. But there was a, uh, in fact, he still is alive, a uh, fairly wealthy man who owned uh, quite a bit of the town where I ministered. And I'd noticed that this guy worked seven days a week. His truck was always there at his office. And I was friends with him. We were friends with each other. And I, uh, 
was talking to him one time, and I said, hey, Bob, I said, I noticed I see your truck out here on Sunday, man. He said, I said, don't you ever take a day off? And he said, Paul, let me tell you something. I don't have this business. This business has me. And he was very honest about that. You know, most people won't make such a candid, honest statement like that, but he was being a, a, as honest as he could be. And if more people were honest, they would have to admit the same thing. It's, you know, the Lord gives us a life and a profession that we could serve Him and honor Him, take a day off to rejoice and be thankful for everything we have, take that tithe, that very small slice of that pie that the Lord says, this is not yours, it's mine, you return this, this is to be used for my ministry, and what a, what a great abundant way to live, is to uh, be blessed with all the material things that the Lord gives us, return that slice that the Lord says is His, and not to just live by this idiotic philosophy that just dying with the most toys matters. It really is an idiotic way, but uh, it's such a predominant way of thinking in our culture and in our world. You know, people think that the accumulation of stuff is all that matters. When, uh, you know, the Lord does want us to accumulate stuff, just not here. He wants us to accumulate stuff on the other side. Lay up for yourselves, he says, treasures in heaven. 2,000 years ago, he mentioned moths, rust, and thieves. Three things that are still in operation. 2,000 years later, <laughs> I've got stainless steel tools. They still rust. <laughs> you can have your finest garments in a cedar chest. Moths are going to still going to get to them somehow. I don't know if they chase after you when you're wearing it, lay their eggs on there, then you put them in a cedar. I don't know how they do it, but moths are still working. Thieves are still in full operation. And the only place that our investments are really safe are on the other side. You know that's the truth, right? On the top of page 59, Chris asks the question here, how often do you think of your work as a time when you help show the kingdom of God to others. Again, if you have uh, some secular employment, you may not think of that much, but uh, I want to take this question and this opportunity to say, this is where your tithe and your faithfulness to the Lord really shows how your work is a reflection of kingdom business. You know, there was a, a layman in my church who made this observation. This kid hadn't been to Bible school, he was a man, hadn't been to Bible school, but uh, he was one of our Sunday school teachers for a time, and you know, he was just a welder, and uh, he made the observation about the tithe. He said, you know, the tithe represents at least 40 hours of our week, or, or more. Some of us work 50 or 60 hours, and he says, in exchange for that 50 or 60 hours, we're given a paycheck. And from that paycheck, the Lord says 10% of that is mine. It's to be used for kingdom purposes. And uh, this was not a preacher who was saying this. This wasn't some evangelist trying to take up another offering. He said, you know, if we're not faithful with that 10% that the Lord says is His, that proves that we're unfaithful with a very large portion of our life. I always like the way people look at me when I say that because they, they <laughs> look at you like, well. <laughs> and you see, I can do this. See, I haven't been in this church long enough. I don't know a lot of people here. I don't know what your situation is. So if I offend you, it's, uh, 
Well, it's just a bonus. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do that. It was, it was just something that happened. And actually, it's not me who's offending you. If, if you're being offended, it's not my tithe that I'm talking about. It's the Lord's tithe. And it's something that you should take seriously from him. Uh, Chris asks on the bottom of page 59, uh, read Ecclesiastes 2.11. Have you ever felt the way the writer feels? If you have, write out your feelings. And that verse, uh, 2.11, talks about all of our work is with no lasting value, emptiness, vanity, all basically worthless, unless the Lord is in it. And we give beyond. You know, if you really want your work and your life to feel like it's worth something, if you were to give, and again, I'm talking about monetary things, you know, there are needs all over the planet and for th those of us that have been uh, monetarily, materially blessed more than uh, most other generations, I mean, we're living in one of the most prosperous uh, uh, times. Of course, Biden's working on that. It, he may change that by the time he's finished. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, hey, yeah, we don't want to wax political. Let's just ignore everything that's happening. <laughs> but, uh, no, we can't. I mean, it costs you more to get here today just for the, uh, the, the gas that you have to put in your car. But we're still living in a basically free country. We don't have the freedom of speech we used to have, but uh, we have so many benefits and so many things that are to our advantage, and we're gonna be held accountable for how much we've helped other people. It's just one of those things. People don't like to think about that, but uh, just ignoring it is not gonna make that accountability go away. Over onto the next page, page 60. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, a rest, and poverty will come upon you like a vagabond and want like an armed man. Solomon talks a lot about laziness, sloth, one of the seven deadly sins in Proverbs because uh, it's such a prevalent thing in people, not in just some cultures, some society. All people, whether they lived 3,000 years ago or right now, tend to want to skate a little bit. Skate meaning just, you know, cruise along on their job. And, and by the way, if you've ever been a type of person that tried to get away with doing nothing on a job, you realize that it's harder to do that than just to do your job. It's harder to look busy and to just, you know, look like you're doing something. It's much easier if you just do your job, do it unto the Lord, honor Him, let the Lord take care of everything else, rather than just trying to get away with something. I remember that was, that was something that we, uh, uh, I say we, yeah, me too, uh, when I was in the military, everybody was always trying to get away with doing something. I gotta tell you, that's hard work. It'd be easier, you know, I was in the Coast Guard, we would chip and paint. <laughs> we'd paint something, and we got finished, we'd chip it off and paint it again. And that's just what we did. You know, there wasn't anything else to do. You know, most of the boats that we were on were World War II surpluses back in the early 70s. You know, so they were going on 30 years old. You know, so they needed to be repainted all the time. But for people that were always running around trying to look like they were busy when they, weren't, uh, when they actually weren't busy, it was harder, you know, than just doing what we were supposed to do. Uh, I like this reference in uh, the sixth chapter of Proverbs, right in the middle of page 60, where uh, in Proverbs 6, the writer encourages human beings to be like ants, always scurrying around, working hard. Proverbs 6 and 6. You know the thing about ants, and there's a, a verse, I think it's one of Agur's uh, in the 30th 
chapter of Proverbs where he mentions ants and conies. Two other things I can't remember right now. But when it comes to the ants, you know, they're, uh, they don't have a leader, but yet they work all together and they prepare for the winter. The thing about ants is that they know the time. They know they have to prepare for something later. And uh, people uh, like us, we ought to be sensible enough to be aware of the time, especially in our working careers when we're younger, that uh, there's going to come a time when, when we're not going to feel like working. Man, that snuck up on me. I remember, you know, probably about 10 years ago, you know, I, I did physical work on the side to support my preaching habit while I was a pastor. And uh, man, about 10 years ago, I was in my mid-50s, I started thinking, man, I'm getting tired of this. <laughs> you know, my knees started hurting. I used to say, it never took this much energy to get up. Why does this hurt so much? But uh, as we prepare for the future, then when it gets to the time where we're not able to work and do the physical work that we used to do, at least we have something, hopefully, to live off of. How are we doing so far? We doing all right? Anybody have any comments that I could repeat so it would be on the tape? Any comments so far? We just have about five more minutes. So ants know the time. No comments? All right. We don't want dead air. We're going to keep on talking. We all know people whom we consider to be lazy. I'm reading the second to the last paragraph on page 60. It's harder to see laziness in ourselves. I may work hard Monday through Friday, but be unwilling to do yard work or housework when I return home. I didn't know he was going to be writing about me. But that's, that's been the case. I may actually put in the hours I'm asked to work, but uh, I do not pay attention to the details and make many mistakes. I may do my job, but not quite to the best of my ability. All these things are forms of laziness. And actually, it equates to our not honoring God. You know, we show our faith by our work. I said this already. I'm going to wrap up with this. Uh, you can't convince your employee, uh, your em employer, the guy who's paying you, that you're a good Christian if you don't give him more than his money's worth. I know people that are working don't like to hear that. You know, usually our, our mentality usually is, well, if this guy's paying me X amount of dollars per hour, I'm just going to do the bare necessity and just get by so I don't get fired. You know, it's kind of like just, just do the, what, what I absolutely have to. And, uh, you know, bosses recognize people that work like that. But they also recognize people that will give them more than what they're being paid. And those are the people that usually get promoted and end up managing things because they know that they can be trusted with it. And it's just uh, one of those things that the Lord honors them that honor him. So if you serve your boss like you're serving the Lord, the Lord has a way of uh, compensating us for that. And it's really a, a great and a glorious thing, I think. We're making our way to the end of this. I want to make sure. You know, there's a, I want to jump ahead and just make one comment on page 64 where he uh, quotes Jesus in John chapter 4, uh, John chapter 9, verse 4. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This is a, a, a great statement, a great philosophy of life, uh, a statement that Jesus made that uh, we would do well to pay attention. You know, anything we're going to do for the kingdom and glory of God, we need to be doing it now. You know, I've met young people 
all throughout my ministry that had the delusional idea, well, when I get older, then I'm going to do something for the Lord. And when you get older, you may not be able to do anything for the Lord. Do it now. Do it while you're young. Serve the Lord now while you can. And uh, uh, maybe you've heard a phrase, uh, working people have a phrase, especially people that are working outside and they depend on the sunlight. If they're working and they know that they have to get finished with the job by the end of the day, they'll encourage one another by saying, man, we're burning daylight. You ever heard that phrase? We're burning daylight. That means <laughs> it isn't going to last forever. Once it gets dark, we're not going to be able to work. And if that should ever be applied to things having to do with the eschaton, the end of the, the age, working for the glory of God, we're burning daylight right now. We're burning the most critical and important daylight. What we're going to do for the Lord, do it now. Uh, just like people who say, well, I'm going to do something for the Lord. People... Uh, will withhold their giving and say, well, you know, when I get older, after the kids get out of school, after we do this, after we retire, after we do this, well, then we're going to give, then we're going to give, and, and then it eventually gets pushed on to where it ends up in your, in your will. And then you don't get to see any of the benefit. Why don't you do it now, while it's daylight? Do your giving while you're living, so you're knowing where it's going. That's the way, that's a philosophy of life if there ever was one. You know, now I know you can, you know, you can uh, 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 keep your uh, uh, finances, and I understand, you know, there's a certain amount of that that has to be maintained, but what a blessing it is to give something for the glory of God and watch the fruit of it while you're still able to see it. And then again, you don't know how much you're going to be able to use it anyway. And can you really trust what the lawyers are going to do with your estate? Not that all lawyers are bad. I mean, we need lawyers. I'm sensitive to you, my brother. I know I'm not, I'm not trying to badmouth lawyers. You know, but there have been crooked lawyers, just like there's crooked preachers. And I mean, you know, there, there's crooked people in every profession. And when money's involved, the love of it, we know, is the root of all evil. So we need to be reminded that we're, uh, we're burning daylight and uh, we do not want to uh, waste time that we have because... Uh, once it's over, it's over. On the top of page 66, this will be the last verse we read. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. You know, that's the same one. That's the same verse that we started off with. All right. Well, that's a good place to conclude. Right where we started. Make a nice big loop. And it's a good reminder. This is, this is really all that matters. What we do, we do as unto the Lord. You know, there's one other thing here. I'm, uh, we're still closing, <laughs> by the way. Uh, <laughs> most of us, I'm, I, I'm, I'm reading on the bottom of page 66, most of us have some kind of annual review. It's a good idea to remember that one day we will receive a life review. Now, you know, that statement produces one of two kinds of results. Either it makes you very happy and encouraged, or it could make you nervous. The fact that your life will be evaluated. But it's going to happen. You know, whether you believe it or not, <laughs> whether you think, well, if I don't believe it, maybe it won't happen. It is going to happen. The Lord is going to call us, and we're all going to give account for how we've managed all the things that he's done. So uh, if it makes you nervous, now you've got some time to do something about it. What do you think, Bill? I don't know any of the details. 
He said that there was an ambulance and they were evacuating someone from the church. I don't know where they were evacuating them from. Well, whoever they are, whatever that situation is. Oh, someone fell in the traditional service? Oh, okay. All right. I, oh, that must have happened. Yeah, I, I left right about in the middle of the crowd, so I didn't see anything. What was that? I was hoping you didn't see that. Yes. <laughs> Man, nothing slips by this guy here. You know, let's, let's pray for whatever this situation is and that our uh, discernment concerning our work and how we manage whatever funds that we have now will be used for the glory of God. Because really, I mean, the funds, the retirement, whatever we're living off now is, is a result of what the Lord gave us for all of our working career. Let's just pray, or I'm going to pray, that the Lord's going to give us wisdom to do that given while we're living. So at least we're knowing where it's going. And we'll pray for this guy who banged his head or whatever the situation was. Father, Lord, without knowing the details of who this man was, what happened, but uh, nobody likes to leave church in an ambulance. And I pray, Lord, that you'll keep your hand upon him and his family. Give him some comfort. Give him some rest, Lord. We pray the in injuries are not bad. And Lord, for your ongoing spiritual discernment, Lord, that witness of your Holy Spirit that you put within us, Lord, to guide our steps and help us to make the right decision and manage the treasure, the temporary treasure that you've given us, Lord, that we might accumulate treasure that lasts forever. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to live with our eyes open and let us be open to the conviction and the prodding of your Holy Spirit, we pray, to do the right things, to honor you, Lord, and to truly stack up that treasure in heaven. All for the glory of God and how we live now, we ask you this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.